Feeling good? Mm-hmm. Comfortable? Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of the TND podcast. I am your host, producer, whatever. I'm just the guy behind the camera, but you can still hear me. <laughs> I'm Alex. We should take photos of him doing so it can, so that we can like have like a... We can prove he's there. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not an AI or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, so we did it, guys. It's our f- like our very first episode. I know, Dave, this is something that you've been dreaming up for a bit and mm-hmm. finally getting to put a pen to paper, so to speak, and getting this thing launched. Mm-hmm. So I thought what would be cool for this episode is that we could go ahead and just tell the narrow door story um, and then also introducing the founders. Uh, we have Kara Ramirez. Go ahead and say hi, Kara. Hello. <laughs> and then Senior Dave Ramirez, El Mero Mero. What's up? <laughs> I was telling Alex earlier, I thought I uh, sounded like Arthur the Aquaman, but uh, I, apparently I don't. Arthur mm. Curry. Arthur Curry. You look, we got to get you a scar across That's your eye. A perfect. Mm. Done deal. Oh, okay. I mean... <laughs> Baby six. <Yeah. laughs> Girls like scars. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, cool. So I figured, Dave, we can uh, kind of start with you and where the story starts, because obviously the your story doesn't necessarily coincide or at least start with the, the narrow door story. Mm-hmm. So I'd figure just to get a little background on you, then we'll kind of go back and forth until your guys' stories merge together. And then, yeah, yeah. we'll see where the kind of conversation goes. So um, we were talking about it a little bit yesterday, and she goes, yeah, so... Uh, um, don't start from the very beginning because there's a lot <laughs> to go through. Well, I mean, it's just such a complex story. Absolutely. Um, but I was like, start where you. I mean, I mean, it's just crazy to think like there's so much that brought us to this moment, right? But you know, there's some stuff that launched that catalyst of where we're at now. And one of them, you know, before all this, a lot of people would look at me and they're like, "Dude, you don't look like the per- the." the person that would be a founder of a nonprofit or a pastor or someone to go speak life into other people. And to me, I never thought I would ever be in a situation like that as well. So I always wanted to use my talents to do, you know, to do what I wanted to do. And that was playing music. I was a professional drummer. I toured all over the United States. I loved it. And there was still something missing. No matter what I was doing, there was something that was just missing. And so at that point, we got our little one coming through here, as you can see. Hi, Miss Lucille. But, uh, um, you know, I this had... Is, we, should, we should let everybody know. This is this is the narrow door. This is a family. Absolutely. Like, legitimately, 100%, this is a family. So it makes sense that we have family on the podcast, 100%. Absolutely. Or kids just walking through whenever. Just to say yeah. Doing whatever. I mean, if we're being honest, like we have it set up as a studio in here, but the reality is that this is where our kids play. Absolutely. <laughs> when we're in the warehouse. Yeah, there's yeah. always a kid with us, <laughs> but we like it that way. So, but, continue. so uh, um, I was doing music. I loved it. I thought that's what I was supposed to do with my, lo- my life. I was going to tour and I just started making money. And I remember there was a time that um, I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. Like I was doing music and I was loving it, but there was something just missing. So I came back home. My brother was um, working at a church and he invited me to play at this church. And I was like, you know what? I I like this. Like something about it just filled me a little bit more than just playing um, out on tour. 
And eventually I started volunteering there. Sorry, the little one. Now she's running off. Um, I started volunteering at this church and um, I started feeling something different inside of me. Like, hey, this is not all about you. And I remember this guy, uh, his name was Jeff Spillman. He's hopefully he'll listen to this. But uh, um, he really encouraged me to just use um, what God has been teaching me through all these moments. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? I'm just playing drums. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I'm what is, how am I going to use this? But he kept saying, you know, you've have this trust of just knowing like, Hey, I'm, uh, you're going to make it, you're going to try your hardest and you're going to go out there and look at where you're at now. But imagine if you use that same thing with Christ, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, keep going. And if it doesn't make sense, it will in the end. Okay. Perfect. Go ahead. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So, um, he's, He's just encouraging me. And I remember going out on tour and he gave me a bunch of books to read. And it wasn't just the Bible because, you know, growing up, I read the Bible. I knew who Christ was, but nothing. I mean, it was just like, like, of course, I know he died on the cross and I believe in this. But there was nothing more than that to me. Yeah. So I remember reading these books and I'm just feeling so encouraged. And um, I come back home and I'm sitting in the um, I'm sitting in the audience and Pastor Jeff, no, Bob. Bob, Pastor Bob Thune, Jeff mm-hmm. is his son. Uh, Pastor Bob was talking about being spat out. Yeah. And I'm like, what, you know, what do you mean being spat out? And he says, you know, being lukewarm, being a lukewarm Christian. And um, that if you're not fully on fire for him, that you have a chance of being spat out. And I'm like, dude, um, is that me? So before that, like you thought you were secure, dude. You're like I, I believe I, abso- I'm here. I'm volunteering. Like absolutely, obviously. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it was at those moments that I'm just like, okay, there's something missing. You know, I know this love for Christ. What is this? So then it was the, um, I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm gonna listen to God. I'm gonna do what what He's gonna place in front of me. Right. So I waited for the bat phone. You remember the bat phone yep. back in the day 100%. and it's like rings and the commissioner calls and says, Batman, we've got a call for you. So I just sat there and I'm like, dude, okay, um, where's my bat phone? Because I thought that's what God did to you. Right. And no matter what was placed in front of me, I'd go to the church and in the bulletin it says, hey, go volunteer at this or go um, build a, uh, a house in Mexico or go do this. And I'm like, okay, Lord. <laughs> where's the bat phone at? Like he could be like throwing things right in front of me. It's just like when my, my wife was thinking I was cute. And I'm like, I have no idea. Do you, what? She had to be straightforward. Right. I needed a slap in the face. So I remember literally just getting up and being like, I don't want to be, um, you know, again, Luke, lukewarm at any kind of anything for Christ. I wanted to be on fire, but I didn't know what that meant. So as I'm praying, um, I felt God was just like, hey, get rid of everything. And I'm like, what do you mean get rid of everything? I just, I'm in the music industry. I'm doing this. I'm volunteering. I'm being fulfilled. And he says, no, imagine what you can do if you put the same heart that you're doing into your music into me and into those that are around you. And I'm like, but my only thing is I don't have schooling. I don't have anything Mm. besides, you know, my music. So I told my folks, they thought I was a nut, no joke. I had to go see uh, a therapist for a while. <laughs> and uh, um, this this pastor out in Texas, um, who's friends with my buddy Jeff, um, says, hey, I'm looking for someone to come out here and just to give us a hand, you know, who can do music, who can do videos, who can do this kind of stuff. And uh, um, 
so I called him up and he says, Hey, I've got a church where there's, there's no staff members. I'm like, what do you mean? There's no staff members. He goes, we're renting from a church that's hurting and we're giving back money to this church and we're going out in the community and we're really making a difference. So I'm like, I need to see this. Like, this is crazy. What do you mean? The church gives money and they get it back out in the community. There's no staff members. How does that even work? Right, right. So there was all stuff that happens in between it. But um, to get even more to the point, I remember leaving. I go to Texas. I'm I'm sleeping in my car on the way there. I sold everything that I had. And as soon as I get there, I the pastor says, hey, let's sit down and talk. And he says, so really quick what's what was stopping you before from serving like where you were at you didn't have to go to texas to do that yeah like what was the problem he goes, you, where you were you didn't have to go to texas you could have just served right you know right in your own home you could have had a day job and served and i'm like oh my goodness dude i just moved i just sold everything i got rid of everything and you're telling me this and then the next thing he says to me he wanted to talk to me about vision and he says i want to let you know that when god gives you a vision it's yours it's nobody else's that's around you. I'm like, what does that mean? And he says, your friends, your family won't understand God's vision. It's yours to interpret. But if God tells you to do something, <laughs> she's playing some toys. If God tells you to do something, then, you know, listen to him and, and just focus, just focus right there. Right. If God gives you a vision, it's your vision. It's nobody else's. And you're supposed to hone in on that and use it how you feel. But it's my job to try to tell people, but if they don't understand it, that's okay. Right. So here I go to this church. First day we're there, we set up these chairs inside this other people or these this other church. And the pastor gets up, he talks for like 10 minutes, encouraging everybody. And then he says, Hey, everybody. These are four people that want to do something in the community. One owns a um, a cupcake place. One always wanted to help the homeless. One wanted to um, do a cleanup project. One wanted, to, and it was just crazy, right? Like, and I'm like, what is he doing? He says, everybody get up behind them. We're going to go serve the community. Like he stopped service, ended it, well, ended it quickly. Yeah. He was like, let's get up and go. Yeah. And then and what I'm was like, the people who couldn't, though, there were people who couldn't like physically go out. What did they Right. Do? So he said, he goes, for those that, that can't go out, he goes, I want you to stay here and pray for your community. Right. And then some of us were going to cook and we're going to bring back everybody that we've met in the community and bring them back. And I'm like, what are we doing? And he says, we're going to be the church without walls. I'm like, I've never heard that. So we're going to do church out there. And I said, so... Everything that I'm learning, I'm like, no, we're we're gonna go like tell the gospel to all these people. Like, we're gonna bring out our Bibles, and he says, no, we're gonna go love on the community. Wow, we're gonna bring life back into these people. And it was through those services that people are like, why are you doing this? Well, you know, I love Jesus. Well, tell me about this Jesus. And it was so easy because we started at their feet. Yep, we're like, hey, what do you need? What are some of the things? And people were wondering what was happening. By the end, we had over 300 people show back up. Eat barbecue with us, being praying for. And it was crazy to see church like that. So organic, so loving. And I'm like, okay, I got this. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go be a missionary in Hawaii. You're going to go do this in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, this, this is, is incredible. This yeah. is beautiful. Like that's what missionaries do. So right? after pastor tells you, 
hey, why aren't you doing this back where you're going from to, man, I need to go do this, but in Hawaii. Yeah, because, yeah. when you know, when I was praying, I'm like, I, I know my prayer life at that time was good. You know, never ceased to pray. I was constantly praying. Yep. And I'm like, God's telling me to go someplace tropical. Yeah, God, God's telling you, right? Right? That's God, well, it ended is, up is being... Is God in the quotations yeah. on that yeah, one? Yeah, well, yeah, wait, God, wait, wait, wait. Well, well, yes... I was just interpreting it wrong, right? Or interpret interpreting. Yes, yes. I was interpreting it wrong because the tropical place he was going to send me was back home where there's palm trees, there's dates, there's mm-hmm. things. I mean, it's tropical <laughs> when it gets real humid out here. I guess I guess a little it's bit. a little different. <laughs> but, but no, so I'm praying for this, right? I'm ready to go. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go just walk the streets. I'm going to tell people about Christ and I'm going to love on them. I'm like, dude. And then there was, of course, there was stuff going on in between all this to get me there. But I remember um, my mom calls me and she says, hey, so Dave, I want to let you know you're going to be the middle child now. I'm all, that that doesn't make sense. I'm 24 years old. I'm, well, and they're older, so yeah, no longer fertile. Like, like, yeah, that's <laughs> right. You, you're not like, pregnant, so what is I'm what's all, going on? Some, something's going on. A little they Sarah said, Miracle yeah, happening mom. Yeah. And uh, my mom and pops, they're like, yeah, so we adopted two high school kids. They're your distant cousins, and they need, you know, full support. So a lot of the stuff we're doing in the Valley, um, helping families in need, because my mom and dad, they did, they understood it. They all had day jobs, but then um, on their time off, they were serving Christ. They had a Christmas store where they were serving kids that were in need. And my mom's like, I don't think it's going to be able to happen. And I said, oh, man, that's too bad. Yeah, that's too bad. God's calling me. To you Hawaii. know, to Hawaii, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you could hear like the hesitation in her voice because she's been praying hard for me for years, like oil on the walls and like, <laughs> yeah, Dave, come on, should we go hard <laughs> yeah. in the paint? <laughs> yeah, she goes. He already left for music and he went crazy and left all that, and now he's over here telling me he's moving again. <laughs> like, what is happening? Did, did mom feel like she was over praying <laughs> a little yeah. bit? So here I am. I remember I'm I'm, I'm sitting in uh, Zilker Park in in Austin, Texas. Be- beautiful, beautiful park. I'm reading my Bible, and it was Nehemiah. And here's this guy who's, he's a cupbearer for the king, right? And I'm thinking, he he can't, like, what kind of job is that? But if you think about it, it's one of the highest jobs. Because he's drinking, he'll test the stuff out before the king gets it. So if he gets sick, he'll know. So he's willing to die for the king. He's willing to give up everything for him, right? So he has a chance to whisper in the king's ear, and the king will listen because he'll he's trusted. Yep. Well, he gets a call from home saying, "Hey, dude, home is thrashed. It's messed up. It's going bad. You know what are we gonna do?" And he sat down and he got on his knees immediately and he started praying. And he started crying out and he started like, "Lord, what's happening? You know, like what can we do?" And and it was at those moments that I'm like, "Oh man, I." I I was getting phone calls during that time from friends that were graduating college and they're like, Dave, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I've got a college degree, but I don't have a job lined up and there's a recession happening. And to me, in my mind, God has always provided. So there is no such thing as a recession if God's going to provide, you know, every aspect. So I couldn't understand why they didn't under, like, we're the same age. They shouldn't be in the same place as me. Right. But, uh, um, I remember hearing people like my friends back home that were just hurting and uh, um, hearing communities and places. And it wasn't just my friends. It was all over that. I was hearing people like just struggling. And I'm like, what can I do? 
And it was at those moments that I started thinking like Nehemiah, like he asked the king for his men. He asked the king for um, uh, the trees and to break things down, to build these walls up and to change these community or to change the community. And I'm like, you know what? I've never, I, out of all these years that I've met people, I've never put those things to use. Mm. And it was at that moment that I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm called, I got to go back. And I didn't want to. You have to understand, like, I wanted, I was supposed to be a musician. I was supposed to be touring. Yeah. And then I wasn't going to come back home. I was going to Hawaii. (laughs) I had all this stuff. And I'm like, man, Lord, like, you keep changing all this stuff. I've got this. So I remember calling my folks. I'm like, hey, I'm I'm gonna come home. So this home. is a little bit like a Moses going back to Egypt moment of Absolutely. like I'm not trying to go back there. Man, God. Like- <laughs> I kept I kept trying to leave my whole like as soon as I turned of age, I kept leaving the house. Yeah. And we can get that's another time, but um I went back to the pastor and I'm like, Hey, uh the pastor in Texas, hey. The same one who told you about vision. <laughs> yeah. And it's and I, your vision. So right. I said, Hey, I've been praying. God's telling me to head back home. But what's crazy is when I'm praying, God's telling me 500. You're going to serve 500, serve 500. I don't know what that means, but I'm supposed to go out there and I'm going to feed families and I'm going to tell people about Jesus and I'm going to start at their feet. You know, what are your needs? What is this? And he looks and he says, well, do you have a truck to deliver the food? No. Where are you going to get the food from? I don't know. Um, Do you have volunteers to do this? No. Maybe what you should do is start at the rescue mission, Mm. you should start over here at this place volunteering and just, you know, volunteer and just be that way. And I'm like, but God told me 500, you're going to be serving, you're going to do this. And I'm like, wait, he's not understanding the, like, what do you mean? Like, I thought he was going to understand it. And I remember coming back home and it was like a whiplash of Jesus because all the stuff that I'm, I'm literally, I'm praying hard and I'm like, okay, Lord, if I'm going to do this, whatever it is, if I'm going to go back and flip burgers, I'm going to do it for you. And I know you're going to provide, you're going to show me what I'm supposed to do. So I come back home within two weeks, I've got a place to live. I'm living in a beautiful home. Thanks to the Muse family. Um, I, I tell someone that, Hey, this is what God's calling me to do. This guy shows up at my door and says, Hey, um, I'm willing to help you out with your nonprofit status, and I want you to uh, show me what this God that you've been talking about can do. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Challenge he, Yeah, because yeah. you know he loved Jesus, but he wasn't the he wasn't the um the like he was, he was well off though. He didn't have to need like you didn't he didn't have to come right and ask for things because he he was in a comfortable position. So. so, so within like literally if which normally takes forever to get a nonprofit status. And within two weeks, I've got a place to live. Yeah, Applying for a 501 C three is extremely difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. to get it all together and how long it takes. And then you got to do that. So here I'm, I got a place to live. I got, a, um, I've got my nonprofit status and I start going to places and just meeting people and just being myself. And I'm not a talker. Kara would say different. Like right now I can talk, but otherwise I get anxiety. I want to pass yeah, out. Yeah, you're proving everybody wrong yeah, right absolutely. now. <laughs> so I go to these places and I just start talking to people and I just start making friends and I go to the local food bank. And uh, when I go in there, I ask them how this all works and I start praying with their teams. Like I just become friends with them and I start hanging out and helping out. And uh, I hear about some um some grants that are going on. So I fill them out. I put them on and I'm a new nonprofit chance of me getting it is slim to none. 
As Especially because like other local agencies had already tried to apply. Absolutely, for it. Like, like big like established ones. ones yeah, I tried to apply. <laughs> so, um, I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning after volunteering for like five days, and uh, um, I've granted I've only been home for several weeks. Like that's <laughs> it, right? So I get this phone call from from the food bank, and they're like, "Hey, we're looking for Mr. Ramirez." And I said, "Hey, that's me." And they said, "Wait, is this the young? Is this the young guy with tattoos?" You need to come to our office. Like something's something's up. Like I'm like okay, so I go in there and they said, "Hey, you received the um, USDA grant." I said, "What does that mean?" They said, "You received the grant. That means that you have enough food for this zip code." I'm like, "Okay, what's the zip code? <laughs> Thermal? Okay, it's enough for uh, 500 people." I'm no, like, 500. Oh, sorry. Family. 500. 500 families. Families. Yeah, you had been praying for 500 500, people. yeah. It turned out to be 500 families worth of food. And I was like, what is going on? Okay, I don't have a building. <laughs> yeah, where are you going to put stockpile <laughs> on? I don't, got, do? I don't got a truck. Yeah. I don't got this except for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I literally, like I said, I still came back with nothing. Like, I'm living in a home with just my clothes. Oh, you have no clothes. finances. So I have you no can't finances. Even get a building, get a truck. Like, you have nothing. <laughs> so I'm like, but the food. I'm like, okay. Like God's gave you, God, you gave me this vision. Like, don't make me look crazy already. Like yeah. I left everything. Okay. So at this point, it's you, your vision, God. <laughs> That's all I got. A little home with some clothes <laughs> and a I... whole bunch of food with nowhere to put it. <laughs> but all not right. only the food. What else did you get? So, as I'm walking out, they're like, "What did you do?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? What did I do?" They're like, "People have been going for this grant for some time, and like big nonprofits, you got it." And we did a draw this month um, to be able to give uh, money to a local nonprofit, and you ended up getting it. So we're going to deposit over $20,000 into your account. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. what, Lord? <laughs> and the narrow door is off. And that's the, and, the kickoff. And yeah. that, was, that was it. And it was crazy how everything just kept going. We used a facility in Indio for the Christmas store to give children toys. I called up the owner and they're like, hey, the building's just going to sit there. You guys can um, use it. It's a 27,000 square foot building, you know, go ahead. Like, what? Are you kidding me? And it was vacant and for free. And for free. So you got a free Then, Then I'm driving, if you can imagine, I sold everything, even my beautiful, beautiful uh, Chevy 1500 truck. Mm. It was was nice. It shot flames out the back. (laughs) It did. And then it it was black windows. I could push buttons. The windows. It was, oh, man, it was a nice Side note. Uh, El Mero Mero is a car guy, by the oh, way. <laughs> I love I love vehicles. But I got rid of all this stuff, and I came back in like this dinky um, – I actually, I rode the bus for a while before. And then I got in a little dinky Lancer that even had bullet holes in the back of it, and I drove it back from – uh, I drove it back from Austin all the way here it's to, to the point that my my back would hurt so bad I'd have to roll out of the car. Like, it was literally bad. Thank you, uh, Mr. Acker, for fixing my back for weeks on end. But, no, so so I get this phone call, right? And this guy that my mom works for says, hey, um, I've got a truck for your son. We're, we're, we're watching, we're seeing what he's doing. And I didn't realize people are watching you. They're watching your faith. Right, right. He's going to fall. Like, this mm-hmm. guy's not going to mm-hmm. do it. He sold everything. He's going to be a nut, right? And uh, people are watching. And this guy calls and says, hey, I've got a truck for your son. I Here's the address. Here's this. So we're driving down the street, me and my mom. And uh, I'm driving down. I'm like, 
I don't see the truck. I call the guy up. I said, Hey, um, sir, I'm not seeing this truck that you're, um, that you're giving to us. And he goes, you can't miss it. It's the, it's the big box freight liner truck sitting on the street. I'm like, hold on one sec. I'll call you back. Click. I'm like, mom, it's way too big. She's like, what do you mean? She's all, you're right. And I said, no, I, I said, what am I getting into? What is God doing? What is God doing? But I remember I'm like, okay, I'm, I've, I've learned at this point just to say yes, just to keep stepping, to keep going. And next thing you know, me and my pops have no, I have no plan yet on how this is all going to work. I load up that truck full of food. We go to this community. I buy a bunch of chips, right? And me and my dad give the chips to these little kids on their bicycles. And I say, go knock on the doors and tell the people we're here. We're going to give out food. And me and my dad and my, uh, um, my, my, my new brothers and sisters or my new brother and sister are bagging food in the back of this truck as fast as we can. Cause people keep lining up and people are crying because they're getting served in this, some of the most impoverished communities. And we spend the whole so day. So that's a, that's actually a good spot there for just a quick insert. Um, cause we may not have mentioned this yet, but we are located in the Coachella Valley. Yeah. Um, specifically our warehouses in Indio. Mm-hmm. Um, but we service the whole valley. Like right. we, 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 you know, we serve the whole valley, but, uh, particularly where have we settled down at as far as the places that we serve? So primarily in the East Valley. Yeah. Which is like Coachella, Thermal, Oasis. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know what, we'll, we'll put something at the like at the bottom of this that can let them know more about what we exactly do. Cause since right, this is right. talking about where we're at, but you know, from our food distributions, things like that. But this, that was the start of it, you right. know, in the back of this, in the back of this vehicle. And what we're community were you at when you were doing that this? was Sunbird trailer park. So we still serve that park. Yes. And it, you know what? It's, it's and what year are we at right now? This, so this would this, be like 2009, 2009, 2009 mm-hmm. narrow doors first, out of the box, we're serving food, sunbird. Yep. Little kids yep. going over there. And it was cool because the families in the community started seeing that we needed help. So they were the ones serving their own people. They got in the trucks. Wow. They're bagging. And I started seeing community come together. And it was beautiful. It was so awesome. And I'm like, man, that's what I want. But like speaking on that park, so Sunbird, they're the ones who had problem with like arsenic in their water. Absolutely. Correct? So like these trailer parks have some like third world country issues. Yeah. Like, when we say trailer parks, like that's 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 a nice way. We're yeah. being very yeah. generous yeah. when we say trailer. They're parks. like flavellos or whatever they would say. In Brazil. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like <laughs> yep. if you, yeah. Anytime I tell people that, and that's kind of like the wild thing about. This valley is because obviously you have the the west side of the valley that that's a little bit, you know, I mean, there's still some rough yeah. spots, but predominantly it's a very nice area, mm-hmm. uppity area, yeah. very high income areas here in the valley. And then you come to the east side of the valley and it's it's literally what, maybe a 15 minute difference sometimes. Mm-hmm. And just the difference is so radical yeah. because <laughs> even from us, sometimes not even 15 minutes, like some of those yeah. houses in Coachella are really nice or like, um, yeah, you know, some certain communities and then it's literally just like a, a street over yeah. yep yeah because yeah. And you hit it right on the head it's like third world country yeah they status. have what water issues sewer issues like you can't mm-hmm. sometimes they can't drink in the water they've been told not to bathe in the water feral dogs um, running around yeah, you've got dogs <laughs> yeah. cats um electricity like 
they have power outages on a regular basis, yeah. especially during the summer when it gets so hot and they're trying to pull so much to cool off their yeah. their homes. So, no, they face a lot of hardships. Yeah. And you're talking sure. whole families, no AC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if you know anything about the Coachella Valley, like it's, it's hot. It's a hundred and hell out here during yeah. summer. It's, but think it's, about it's not, uninhabitable. Like if you didn't have AC, no. But wait, 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 wait. It's not even just that. So think about it. If it takes so long to cool off your house, and they're living in like a tin can. Yeah, because yep. they're older trailers. They're they're not even yeah. as so no insulation. Or insulated. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you can't run big electric units or uh, air conditioning units in every room. So they have one little tiny box that's yep. keeping their place if they can but it 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 literally was it was um it was crazy and that was that was how we started and we still go door to door delivering food boxes but what what got me there as well what's that put your face closer. oh sorry i started looking at you as well um hey hey. (laughs) but um i just remember in luke because you were asking me yesterday like where did the name come from where did all this how did you get to this point and i had a ton of names but I remember just thinking about in Luke and they're talking about knocking on the door. Well, I'll read it really quick. Um, so Luke 13, 22, then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I do not know you um, or where you come from. And I'm just thinking, dude, okay. Even though what? Even though he's like, we were here. We were there. We were here. You better keep going. Yeah, yeah, you can't just stop at that. Like, I don't know you. It was like, but we were there. But we did this. But we did that. So can, can you imagine like, I mean... Me and you. Hey, bud. Like, hey, what's what's going on? How are we doing? Yeah. Hey, uh, Alex, I need X, Y, and Z. And you're like, I, but I don't know you. No, we had a conversation, bud. Like, don't mm-hmm. you remember? Mm-hmm. We went out here. Yeah, but I don't have that. I don't know you know you. And it was one of those things. I'm like, man, I know Jesus. I know he died on the cross. I know they poked him. I know he rose from the dead. But So you know of him and his story. Right. But I And you believe nev- it. You I absolutely this. this happened. Yeah, but I never walked with him like that. I never said, "Okay, Lord, my life, everything that I have, I'm going to put it right there in your hands." Yeah. Uh or even at your feet wherever I because I don't deserve to be where I'm at. I'm like, "Okay, Lord, here, everything about me, everything. I want you to own it. I want you to have it, and I'm just going to follow you." I've never in my life had a relationship like that. Mm-hmm. And right, once right. I did to see all that happen and there was heartache, there was heartbreak, there was things like that, but it was so much easier to, to go through that with him by my side and to see him answer those calls, answer those prayers. And when I finally, like I said, I, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to just strictly go with you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to listen to you. And that's when all these visions, that's when all these things of where we're at today came to fruition. And I still struggle with that. I still fight like, Lord, why can't I, you know, just be in a normal day job, go home and just have regular conversations with my wife. Instead, it's like, I work really hard. It Sometimes money comes in. I hear families that are hurting. I hear, you know, nosebleeds happening in homes because the air, the air conditioning went out and it's so hot in there that they're bleeding. Families that are hurt, like 
their stomachs are hurting because they haven't eaten for a week or their feet are bleeding or all kinds of stuff. And then I come home and me and, and me and Kara, I lay it out on her and she's like, how can we help? What can we do? Yeah. It's a constant thing. And there's some days I want my brain just to be clear, yeah. you know, but I believe in God and I believe that he's going to get us through those times. And I don't think this was meant for everybody. Um, right. No, cause it's not your normal nine to five. Like you can't just go home and be like, Oh, it'll be there tomorrow. It's going to be fine. Everything, you know, or like, it's not like if you walked up, worked at Walmart and you clocked in and clocked out yeah, or yeah. it's, it's not that it, it takes up your whole life, every aspect of it, every minute of your day you're thinking, but it's also so rewarding. And Absolutely. I know, and we, we do, we, we think about it all the time. Like, okay, we could just like pass this off and go do something else. We could just go work a nine to five. We could right. have that normal, that normal in quotations, normal life that other people live. Um, and maybe it wouldn't be so stressful, but every time we think about it, we like, but we wouldn't be happy. We wouldn't feel fulfilled. We wouldn't feel like we're doing what God called us to do. We're choosing something else yeah. that seems, you know, easier in a way to us. Um, and, and it is crazy because, you know, we're not attached to all the stuff and things like that. What we're attached to is Jesus, mm-hmm. our, our relationship and our kids, like, and the then, every, yeah. right. And then everything else just falls in line and we, it's, it's different. Yeah. yeah. It totally but is. The name, the narrow door. So it came from Luke. Um, you know, but we get asked all the time, like, do you guys sell windows, like garage yeah. doors, like the narrow door? <laughs> Especially I right here. You, yeah, because we're right next to what an auto body shop yeah. and a garage place. So we get asked that or even. Yeah. But um, I think just being a place where people can come through and be closer to God so that they'll make it when when they when he's they're knocking on that door, you know, they're going to be recognized and we're giving them a space to grow that relationship. Right. We want to make sure. Mm-hmm. 